Here, uh, Paul is talking about Abraham and how Abraham was justified by faith and he received the promise by faith. And uh, verse 16 is where we pick up. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, I think this week we have been seeing... uh, Uh, a bit of the uh, outflow of what I talked a bit about last week when we were talking about the false basis of hope. And if you've just listened to any of the news stories that have come out, uh, it really does revolve around right now about power and who is going to exercise power in Parliament to get their way. In other words, a lot of people right now in our government are putting their hope, their hope for victory, their hope for the future of this country uh, on the basis of who will exercise the most power. And notice here, you know, on one side, you've got the power issue. Uh, that's kind of like everybody against uh, Bojo, uh, you know who I'm talking about. And then on, uh, on uh, uh, Boris's side, Boris Johnson's side, notice how he seems to be putting a lot of his hope in democracy. Because what is he saying? He's saying, okay, let's have another election. Let's have another election. So somehow, if we have another election, that is going to conclusively settle this matter, and so that is our basis of hope. And clearly, neither of those things, neither power nor democracy, can be a basis of hope. And certainly, as Christians, it is tempting for us to try to put our hope in the government 
Uh, and I'm not taking sides here, obviously. You know, I try to offend uh, both labor uh, supporters and conservative supporters equally uh, and throw in a smattering of the Lib Dem and, and you know, other groups uh, along the way. Uh, no, I don't try to offend anybody, but sometimes, you know, it happens. Um, but it's not about party politics. It's not about democracy. It's not about any of these things because our hope does not rest in the parliament. Our hope for this nation does not rest in the vote of the people. Our hope for this nation does not rest in who has power. Our hope for this nation as Christians can only rest in Jesus. And we as Christians need to have Christian hope in the Lord for our nation if for no other reason, for us to be strong during this season of difficulty. Now, remind you of our definition of Christian hope. We say that Christian hope is an earnest expectation of good, good outcomes, and a good future based on a true knowledge of God and God's promises founded on a relationship with the Father through the resurrected Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we spent some time in the last few weeks talking about what our hope is not and what our hope can't be based on. And so from this point on, we're going to talk a little bit more about the different fac uh, facets of our hope as Christians. And Paul here is talking about, amongst other things, he's talking about hope. And in this case, uh, in the passage that we read, he's using Abraham. Now, Abraham's really important here because a lot of the Jews at the time put their hope on the fact that they would obey the law, that they would follow the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and that they were adhering to those, and consequently, they had hope because they followed the law. Pardon me. And so Paul goes back to Abraham, to use Abraham as an example, because Abraham existed before the law. Abraham came before Moses, before the law was given, and Abraham is the prototypical relationship with God. It shows that the righteous shall live by faith, that in this situation God called him out of an unrighteous lifestyle uh, surrounded by many idols to come worship the one true living God, to sacrifice everything, to go on the journey, uh, which was a journey of faith, very similar to the journey of faith that we go on, based on promises of God in his future, uh, a future which did not seem very likely at one point in time. I mean, eventually, you know, God says, hey, you're going to be a father of many nations, uh, and, and now he's 100 years old, and doesn't have a kid, doesn't have an heir. So how is this going to work? Uh, and his wife's like 90 years old. Uh, and so how many 90-year-old women do you know that are having children? Um, we're getting older in the, this day and age. I heard somebody in the 60s maybe or uh, was able to have a child recently. But, you know, we don't hear, hear of any 90-year-olds that this is happening to. And so he's using this, the example of Abraham, as a foundation to discuss a number of issues such as righteousness, such as faith, and 
to discuss hope. Now remember, when he's talking about hope, he doesn't mean wishful thinking. He doesn't mean, I wish that this would happen. I would like this to happen. It is something that is based, it's a confidence that's based on the promises of God that something good is going to happen. It's that reality. And so Paul, in this passage, and rather than give a, 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 an exegetical explanation of the passage, I want to highlight you know, five different things that Paul is bringing to us about hope out of this passage. The first one is that our hope rests on grace and depends on faith. Our hope rests on grace and depends on faith. Our hope rests on the grace of God, on our belief that God is good and that God is going to do good for us even though we don't deserve it. Grace is about getting what we do not deserve. And none of us deserves anything good from God. We can't earn it. We can't work for it. Uh, we're corrupted by our sin. None of us deserves anything good. And so we cannot have hope based on our own goodness. Uh, it's not like Christmas, you know, where, where as a child you think, okay, I hope that I will get a new train set if I'm a good boy or a good girl, you know, that mommy and daddy will buy me a new train set. That's my hope. Now, that's wishful thinking. That's not hope. Hope is, comes because of grace, not because you deserve it. And hope is something that will always depend on faith. So you can have confidence that God is good, but do you have faith that God's going to do good? If you don't have faith that God will do good, then it doesn't really make any difference if you have confidence that God is good. Because what good is it for God to be good if he's not going to do good with the good that he has, <laughs> if that makes sense. And so we have to understand that our hope as Christians always rests on the grace of God and depends on our faith. That's why when I look at the nation, our nation, I believe that God intends good for our nation. Uh, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen through this whole situation that we're in. Uh, but I know that if he does, it's because of his grace, not because, certainly not because we deserve it. And I have faith because I know God is good, and that's his intentions. And so his intentions will be good. And so our hope always rests on grace and depends on faith. The second thing here is that this faith that our hope depends on must only be in God and particularly in the God who gives life to the dead and, to, and who calls into existence things that do not exist. We, our hope depends on a faith in God, particularly the God who brings life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. So we have to have this confidence in the Lord that our God is the one who is able to take something that seems dead, like Sarah's womb, and make it alive. 
Our God has to be the kind of God who takes something that, that seems dead, like the church many times throughout history. It seemed like it's dead. It seemed like it's a spent force. And suddenly, God makes it alive and brings revival. He's done that with nations before. And so we have to see that our God is the God who does this. And when he doesn't bring things, dead things to life, oftentimes he'll call things into existence that never existed before. So it's like suddenly God causes something to happen that nobody ever thought about. And this is what our God can do. No, nobody ever thought about a 90-year-old woman having a baby. And yet, look what God does. And so this is the focus of our hope. If, you're, if your faith the, on which your hope depends is focused on money, is focused on uh, your wishful ideas of God as some gentle grandpa or like a super Santa Claus uh, or something that's not realistic, then your faith is futile and your hope will be baseless. But Paul tells us if we want to have hope that's really hope, it has to be founded depending on a faith on God as he really is, the one who brings life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. The third point that, that Paul kind of brings up in this passage is that, and I love this phrase, in hope we often believe against hope. And that's kind of an interesting phrase. You know, in hope we believe against hope. Uh, and it's like, how do we understand this? It means that sometimes our situation seems utterly hopeless. Sometimes, I mean, you look at the situation we're in in our government right now, it, it seems to me to be, frankly, quite hopeless. And yet, even in the midst of hopeless situations, we can have hope by faith that goes even against the situation that's arguing against our hope. So in hope, we can believe against hope. A fourth point that Paul is bringing up here is, uh, and I just kind of summarize it by this, as people, as Christians, we are justified by faith and we have peace with God through Jesus and we have access to the grace of God. These are three things that we have as Christians. We're justified by faith. We have peace with God through Jesus. And we have access to God's grace in our lives. And this gives us hope of the glory of God. In other words, because we're justified by faith and we know that, because we have peace with God through Jesus, we've been reconciled with God, because we know that God's grace has been lavished on us in Jesus Christ, we know, we're confident, one day we will experience the fullness of God's glory for us. This is our hope. This is our confidence that one day Jesus is coming again and all of this is going to be transformed and we have hope that we will become like Jesus. We have hope of that glory and in the meantime, we have hope that we will have moments of glory. We have hope that we will see extraordinary good things happen in our lives and the reason we can have this hope is because we know we have the experience of being justified by faith, having peace with God through Jesus and having access to God's grace. 
And so because of who we are in Christ, we have this hope. But the final point, what happens if we're suffering? What happens when we go through difficulty? What happens when things seem really bleak? And I know there have been times in my life when I thought, I'm going to die. You know, I'm just not going to make it through this. There have been times when I've been under so much personal pressure and strain that I thought that it was over. You know, I I didn't think I would survive it. Frankly, I really didn't. And in the midst of those times, you know, you're in there and you say, what hope do we have? What hope do we have if we feel like we're surrounded by enemies on every side and all the pressures of life are caving in on us? What hope do we have when we're going through suffering and struggling and turmoil and difficulties? And Paul says, okay, so you've got the hope of experiencing the glory of God, but even if you're not experiencing the glory of God, even if you're going through suffering, your suffering can give you hope. How does suffering give us hope? He tells us there. He says, knowing that suffering, verse 3, produces uh, endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. That what happens when we go through suffering, we have hope because we know that if we just hang in there and keep going in through the suffering, that on the other side of the suffering, we'll learn that we've gotten stronger, we're able to endure more, and as we go, as we continue to endure, we then begin to realize that our character has grown that we become more mature, we become stronger in the Lord, and because we become stronger in the Lord, that's what gives us the hope that we'll keep going on. That gives us the hope that God will fulfill all His promises. So even when things aren't great, even when we're struggling, we still have hope because we know that those sufferings will produce endurance, endurance will produce character, and character will produce hope. And I certainly can say that's true in my life. You know, as I look back at my ministry and I see the seasons of difficulty, and and frankly, in my life, the seasons of difficulty have grown longer. So in my first church, I had minor difficulties. In my second church, I had a couple years. Uh, This church, we had eight years of real intensity. And I realized that God was preparing me for this struggle we endured here and, you know, in even recent years, in different ways, we've gone through sufferings. But all of those have helped me endure and have made me a better person. And so I look at the scriptures and say, well, God's word is true. And I can believe this. I can trust this. So as Christians, this is the beginning of our basis of hope. And in hope, we can believe, we can have faith, even when things seem hopeless because of who we are in Christ and all that Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We worship you. We thank you. Lord, increase our hope. Increase our hope for our own lives. Increase our hope for our nation. Increase our hope for our churches. We want to see you do amazing, incredible things. And we know you've promised. And so our hope is not in vain. In Jesus' name.